Hello and welcome to the Global Custodian Podcast. Still without a name, although John assures me that we will have one soon. Um, my name is John Baker, I'm Head of Digital at uh, Global Custodian and uh, I'm going to introduce the uh, the usual suspects. We've got John Watkins here, Editor of Global Custodian and our staff writer Paul Walsh. Uh, I'm also really pleased today that we're joined by a special guest, Alan Cameron from uh, BNP Paribas. Um, hi there, Alan. Uh, do you want to uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? Gosh, um, that's a tough one. Um, so my name is obviously Alan Cameron. I'm lucky enough to work at BNP Paribas Security Services, where I work really on the client side of our business, dealing with the financial institutions that use our services across the world. And is this the first time you've been on a podcast, Alan? This is the first time I've been on a podcast. Ah, well, you've, you've got a, a wonderful voice for it. And um, I understand you also uh, you have been a bit of a podcast listener. What are, what are some of your favourite podcasts going around? I'm somewhat embarrassed to say that I'm an avid follower of The Archers, ah, yeah. which is uh, not a good start. <laughs> a lot of ones from the BBC. I think the first one I liked, there was one done a few years ago by The Motley Fool. I don't know if you ever listened to it. It was absolutely excellent, but it's been discontinued now. Um, Global custodian plugging other podcasts. Yes, actually, maybe. Hopefully, they'll give us a maybe list back. It is discontinued, so I guess that's. uh... (laughs) Okay, Um, I'm going to pass over to uh, Paul, who's going to give us a little bit of a a roundup of the main news items this week. Mm -hmm. Thank you, John. Um, In the news that Global Custodian has been focusing on in the last week, uh, too many banks are running apparently 20 year old technology, which could make them vulnerable to operational risks according to the Head of Product and Business Development for the EMEA region at BMY Mellon. Uh, representatives from Australia, Japan, Korea, New Zealand and Thailand have signed a, mem- a Memorandum of Cooperation for the forthcoming Asian Region Funds Passport Scheme. The European Securities and Markets Authority has urged the EU Commissioner Jonathan Hill to ensure delay on implementing collateral rules for unclear derivatives uh, is not prolonged. And waiting for blockchain technology to be a universal answer to the industry would be a mistake, according to Avoma, Vice President of JP Morgan. And finally, asset segregation rules under forthcoming CSDR regulation could lead to market confusion due to inconsistencies with other regulations in the industry. Thank you for that, Paul. Now, moving on to um, the first of our big topics for, for this week's podcast. Um, John, do you want to talk about this uh, infographic that uh, has been produced by uh, BNP? And I'm sure Alan's going to have some uh, more to say on that as well. Um, for anybody listening, you will be able to go and have a look at this by clicking the link on the article page on the Global Custodian. Yeah. So much to Paul Walsh's delight, we were uh, talking about T2S again today. He's a resident <laughs> T2S expert, but you're going to be uh, shown up today by, by Alan, I think, today. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so we got hold of this uh, BNP Paribas um, infographic on T2S, uh, which was launched at NEMA, which I imagine you must have been at then, Alan. I was lucky enough to be there yeah. in sunny Dubrovnik. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did record a couple of podcasts from Dubrovnik and tried to hold back on describing the, the yeah. scenery and weather too much. <laughs> but uh, Alan, we're just wondering what, uh, from this infographic, I mean, what's, what's the, the kind of key message here? Obviously, T2S is being discussed a lot. There's been a lot to talk about. What are the benefits? Um, what is the delays meant for the industry? But what's what have been the findings from the BNP Paribas survey? Sure. Well, I mean, I guess T2S has been going on for so long. I applaud you and your courage in doing another podcast on the subject. <laughs> and I, I guess a lot of what we found from speaking to our clients is what we kind of suspected anyway. Um, they still seem to be believers in T2S. Mm. They think that in the long term that the... Um, 
benefits that it will give through harmonization and standardization will, will be worthwhile. In the short term, most of our clients are telling us they're a little bit disappointed in the impact on fees, um, but they're pleased about the improvements it's made to liquidity. So I would say we're kind of where we thought we were when we, when we spoke to everybody. Yeah, no great surprises in it. I mean, I think the um, one of the things about T2US is it's been going on for so long that not many people can remember why we began this journey in the first place. <laughs> and um, at the beginning, the expectation was it would reduce the cost of settlement in Europe. And that really is the acid test for T2S. And we haven't seen that as yet. And what's really interesting right now is how the CSDs will adjust their pricing um, for this new environment. Because they're going to end up in a very strange world where they have a monopoly still for their asset servicing services, where they're an issuer CSD, but they'll be living in a quasi-competitive world for settlement services. So how they adjust their pricing to take account of this new uh, environment is really key to the industry. It's fair to say in the discussions I've been having with people within the industry that T2S, as we speak here and now, it's not a success on the grounds that it was initially proposed. Would you agree with that? Would you say that the market has moved on somewhat in terms of the benefits we can expect from T2S, that perhaps it's no longer about settlement costs? I wouldn't entirely agree with that, and I think it's probably still too early to tell because um, we've done a few um, outlying markets. Uh, Italy has been a success, um, but it's really, really... Only when Euronext and Germany get added to it will we see the real advantages of T2S, which are very much cumulative as more markets join it. So at this stage, you wouldn't expect to see all the benefits that we're hoping to see by the end of the project. The uh, the split here, when one of the questions is, what will be the greatest benefit um, with, with T2S when fully implemented? I mean, there's quite a split between what people thought. Do you think... Um, do you think there's just multiple benefits or people are still kind of waiting to see what? I mean, I, th- I think the fact that the, 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 the people talking about multiple benefits must give a little bit of a, um air of disappointment around the fees because mm. that was the, the initial thing. Yeah. We thought it would bring down the cost of settlement across Europe. It certainly will probably do that for cross-border services. But the key thing in this will really be how the CSDs react and what they do with their pricing. And the, the CSD is in a very interesting place. I mean, I think the changes that they've seen, uh, even apart from T2S, have been huge in their industry. And T2S is just another um, profound added complication to their business model. Okay. So the other thing, Alan, I wanted to talk to you about was, was um, middle office outsourcing. Could you tell us a bit about what the role you play in being about security services sure and and to to be kind of clear at the beginning it's not just middle office outsourcing that we're interested in so the, the part of BMP power about security services that I work on is um, where we're dealing with financial institutions so that's banks and brokers as opposed to the asset uh, managers and the asset gatherers that we we also deal with and we've seen outsourcing really become the accepted business model on the investor side for for many years now. And on the financial institution side, um, a large number of, probably you'd call them tier three, tier two brokers have adopted it. 
And the real question and the interesting thing in the industry right now is whether this model will be um, taken up by the investment banks and the corporate the banks providing corporate banking services as well. And it seems that the um, dial has changed for that discussion. And I think we all know that it's a tough time in banking right now. And you can't go to a conference nowadays without hearing about how the return on equity is below the cost of capital and something must change. Pretty much everything has been tried. I mean, everything that can be uh, offshored and moved to low-cost centres has, has been done. Um, business lines have stripped out. Um, sorry, some business lines have been stripped out, but that leaves more costs left for the ones that are left there. And it would seem to many that outsourcing is the kind of final solution that can be used um, to try and solve this problem. But it's complicated because the services that the investment banks are providing to their clients are just much broader and much more complicated than what the brokers are doing. So we need to be able to outsource not just security settlements and asset servicing, but also derivatives, derivatives clearing, OTC clearing, FX, swaps, a whole lot of other things as well. So it's a tough challenge, but it's one that we think is going to uh, happen. Do you think this is a, a, a sort of one of the big problems that, that banks are facing is that they've tried for quite a long time to be kind of all things for all people um, and that is very expensive to actually do and, and that's something which is driving that they don't necessarily want to reduce that service offering because people value it but at the same time they've got to look at well how much is actually costing how profitable it's going to be. I think that's true and I think to add to that there's the ever-increasing cost of regulation, the ever-increasing investment required in technology, and now, of course, the uh, increasing amounts of capital that the banks have to hold. Mm. So they really are facing a fairly perfect storm. So it mentions within the survey that outsourcing in some practices of the post-trade process has become commonplace. Why is that the case, do you think? Why has outsourcing become so commonplace in recent years? Well, I think I mean, it's always very hard to define what is outsourcing mm. because you could say that all the services that Asian banks provide is to an extent outsourcing. Mm. And I think what's happened is that um, the guys who are looking at the problems within the investment banks and the broker-dealers are just finding it harder and harder to see that providing any of these services really gives them any competitive advantage. And then secondly, we have the cost problems that we that we have um, as well. So I think it's a change of mindset. I think um, there used to be a time when certainly banks wanted to clear and settle in their own domestic markets, and that was almost like a badge of honour for them. But I think that way of thinking has passed by now. Um, and, and kind of anything else on, on the rise of food, Alan, that uh, we might want to talk about today? Uh, <laughs> on the horizon for us, well, I mean, I hate, I hate to say this, but everything to do with transaction banking is often about uh, making lots of small steps rather than huge, big leaps forward. Um, for us at BNP Paribas, um, the biggest thing that's really happened in the last uh, seven years has been building up our Lisbon International Operating Centre well, we now have 1,200 people. And for us, it's really a case of keeping um, 
the local services required across Europe and keeping that expertise, but being able to drive down costs through centralizing um, where, where we can do it. And this is a really fine balancing act. If you do it too quickly, you can lose the local service touch. If you do it too slowly, then you're not going to get the cost benefits that your clients are demanding. So for us, that's probably our ongoing and biggest challenge, and in many ways our most enjoyable one. Um, I don't really know if we knew it when we picked Lisbon as the operating centre, but it's a wonderful city. The people in it are just great to work with, and the enthusiasm that they've brought into our business has just been great. So it's a long, difficult, difficult but pleasurable journey. Um, well, I think that's all that we've uh, we've got time for this week. Um, however, plugging for I know you do. Well. I know you do. Um, <laughs> John is uh, going to talk a little bit about uh, a survey that we're doing, uh, based, I guess, sort of an extension of the article you wrote earlier this year on women in hedge funds. Yeah. So the end of last year for our second hedge fund issue, we decided to do a feature on uh, women in hedge fund operations. Uh, we looked at the imbalance and um, inequality in, in those roles. Uh, and we, we kind of spoke to um, a, a handful of people and asked, you know, what's, what's holding back the, um, the, the equality? What can be done in the future? Uh, we had some really great feedback, things like uh, promoting mentoring and education uh, at a younger level. So what we wanted to do this year uh, as our hedge fund issue approaches is put out a survey and reach out to women in senior hedge fund operation roles and ask them their opinions on uh, women being represented in the industry and what they feel is holding back um, you know, them occupying a higher percentage of those roles. So if you log on to the Global Custodian website and you're interested in completing this survey, uh, please fill it out and there'll also be an event in New York later this summer where we're going to launch a headphone magazine, release the results of this survey and have a bit of a networking event as well. So Sounds great. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Well, as I said, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Alan, Paul and John for taking part and we'll see you next time. <laughs>